Hello everyone, thank you for checking out today's episode of Hardball Sports Talk, brought to you by Hardball Sports Media. My name is Brandon. Today we're going to be talking about the NFL playoffs, uh, the NFL coaching carousel, and we're going to look at the MLB Hall of Fame voting. And I'm going to give my thoughts on a couple things going on there. And also, back to the football, uh, when we talk about the playoffs, we're going to be talking about uh, the OT and the format that there is right now and my suggestion to fix it. Uh, so, let's get started. Uh, first off, let's do an update on the coaching searches going on. Uh, several people uh, around the league and uh, media personnel uh, feel that Jim Caldwell will likely end up in Chicago. Uh, nothing official from the Bears on that one. Uh, they did hire a GM. Uh, his name is Ryan Poles. Uh, he's, he was the executive director of player personnel with the Chiefs. Uh, and he's also a former player with the Bears. Uh, so kind of going full circle there. Uh, the Vikings also made a uh, GM hire. Uh, they reportedly hired Kwesi Adolfo Mensah, uh, who was the VP of Football Ops with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, both hires, uh, from what I've seen on Twitter and different apps and uh, reports and stuff like that, a lot of people in the national and local medias for those markets uh, really like these hires. Uh, time will tell, obviously, because a lot of people liked some other hires that didn't pan out. So... You really don't know until you get in the job if the person can do the job or not. And uh, For those two fan bases' sakes, I hope those guys work out. As a Lions fan, I hope they don't. Uh, I'm just going to be real with you guys. Uh, but I never like seeing people fail either. Uh, not fun to watch. Uh, the big story of the NFL right now, though, is yesterday afternoon, or Tuesday afternoon, excuse me. I'm recording this uh, on Wednesday. Uh, but Sean Payton stepped away. Uh, step down, excuse me, as head coach of the Saints. Uh, the Saints now join a huge list of teams that are looking for uh, head coaches. There's nine teams now uh, without a head coach in the NFL, which is a little less than a third of the league, which is a crazy number right there. Uh, two names that have so far surfaced in the early search here are Saints defense coordinator Dennis Allen and Lions defense coordinate, coordinator Aaron Glenn. Uh, Saints defense coordinator obviously is on the staff with Sean, Sean Payton uh, and a lot of people feel he's the likely heir apparent and then Aaron Glenn uh, he's a really good candidate if you ask me uh, Lions defense coordinator uh, before joining the Lions staff this past season uh, he spent time in New Orleans as their secondary coach uh, he's a really good leader and selfishly I hope he stays in Detroit but I'll tell you what this guy will be a head coach in the NFL in the not-too-distant future, if you ask me. Uh, so, time will tell what happens with all these hires. Uh, but like I said, there's nine openings now uh, in the NFL. And one aspect of these teams that we really don't talk about a whole lot, uh, nobody really has, is the salary cap. Uh, what a salary cap is, if you're not aware, it's how much money you have that you're allowed to spend on players. Uh, there's a soft cap and a hard cap. A soft cap is you can go over it, but you get taxed, basically. you got to pay fines and stuff like that. A hard cap is you cannot go over it. Uh, the NFL is a hard cap. Uh, so let's look at the salary cap situation for next season for these teams with head coaching openings. Uh, number one on the list is the Dolphins. 
They have $66.8 million of cap space, which is the most in the NFL. Uh, and then they got the Jaguars, it was $61.3 million. That's third in the NFL. Uh, the Broncos have $44.8 million. That's sixth in the NFL. The Bears have $34.3 million. That's tenth in the NFL. The Raiders have $25.6 million. That's 13th in the NFL. The Texans have $23.6 million, which is 15th. Uh, the Giants are 5.7 over the cap, uh, so they'll have to get rid of some players, uh, which is 28th in the league. The Vikings are 12.2 over the cap, which is 29th. And the Saints are $71.5 million over the cap, uh, which is the worst in the NFL. Uh, so whoever does uh, get the Vikings and Saints jobs, especially especially the Saints job, uh, they're in for a world of hurt uh, because there's going to be a lot of players, key players, that are not going to be on the Saints next year uh, just because they don't have the cap space for them. Uh, it's the same issue that the Packers are facing right now. Uh, they're not looking for a new coach, obviously, um, but they are really over the cap, too. I don't have their number in front of me. I wasn't going to. I have notes now, so I'm trying to avoid these rabbit trails, uh, but we'll talk about the Packers for a second on a rabbit trail. The Packers are in a very similar spot to the Saints. Their number isn't as bad. I think it's like 45 or something like that, million over the cap. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers only has one year left on his deal, and his top three receivers are all out are all out of years on their contracts. Uh so they'll all be free agents. Uh so the Packers are entering a really interesting time here. Uh we'll talk about them in a few minutes with the playoffs and stuff like that. Uh but it'll be interesting to see where the Packers go um from here after losing to the 49ers this past week. Uh Aaron Rodgers in my eyes it's about fifty fifty if he stays or not. Uh the cap gonna have to figure that out. Uh, but he does said he has said he does not want to be part of rebuild, uh, which, looking at the cap and who's under contract and not, uh, looks like a rebuild could be happening in Green Bay. Uh, so we'll see how things work out there. Uh, speaking of Green Bay, though, uh, they lost to the 49ers, like I said, 13 to 10 on Saturday. Uh, but before that game, uh, the Bengals beat the Titans 19 to 6, 19 to 16, excuse me. Uh, in this game, absolutely crazy stat lines here. Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions, and Joe Burrow took nine sacks. Uh, those are not numbers you usually see in the playoffs, uh, especially three interceptions and you only lose by three or nine sacks and you still win the game. Uh, really strong defensive game here. Uh, the Bengals made plays when they counted. Uh, Jamar Chase is a stud. Uh, when he got drafted... And I still kind of question this draft pick, I'm not going to lie. Uh, Jamar Chase has panned out really good. But, I mean, if you look at Joel Burrow getting sacked, nine times it was. Well, Panay Sewell, who, according to Daniel Jeremiah, was the 11th best player in this draft class after his rookie year, uh, you got to protect Joel Burrow. And at some point, they're going to have to address that offensive line. And... Yeah, Jamar Chase is a stud, but if Joe Burrow doesn't have time to throw the ball, then it doesn't matter. Uh, but this year it hasn't hurt them so far, so do I know. Um, but I, I do worry about Joe Burrow's long-term health here. Uh, like I said, though, the Bengals won 19-16. Uh, so they'll take on the Chiefs, who we'll talk about that game in a minute in the AFC Championship game. 
Uh, and then, like I said, the 49ers beat the Packers 13-10. to After this game, uh, I'm kind of shocked the Packers special team coordinator, as far as I'm aware, is still on staff. That loss is 100% on the special teams and the special teams coordinator. Uh, first off, at the end of the first half, the Packers went for a field goal, and they got blocked. Uh, the guy guarded the guy on the outside, let the guy that was on the inside lane go through, which common sense tells you he's got less move, less space to travel uh, to get to the ball, and he blocked the kick. Uh, really good play by the, the 49ers special teamer, but poor execution by the Packers, and that falls on coaching right there. Uh, and then in the third quarter, or it might have been the fourth quarter, I'm not sure off the top of my head, uh, the 49ers blocked a punt, uh, recovered at about the five-yard line or so, and then ran it into the touchdown to tie the game at 10. Uh, and then they kicked a field goal, Robbie Gold did, with no time left on the clock uh, to win 13-10. to 10. All the games, actually, this weekend came down to the last play of the game, uh, which is really awesome football. Uh, it was probably the best football I've seen in a long time, if not ever. All four games were competitive. All four games went to the wire, like I said. All four games, you were like, man, this I want this game to keep going. Uh, and it was a really fun weekend of football. On Sunday, the Rams beat the Buccaneers 30-27. to I'm a little shocked by that one, I'm not going to lie. Uh, yes, the Buccaneers, uh, they were beat up. But Tom Brady, like you do not bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs. And he actually did have a really good game this loss. Uh, he did struggle a little bit in the first half. Uh, and the Rams jumped out to a really big lead. Uh, but Tom, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers stormed back. Uh, the Rams fumbled the ball four times. As a Lions fan, I've been on the fence about the Rams this postseason. I really want Stafford to do good. I really do. But the Lions get the first-round pick from the Rams in the Stafford trade. Uh, so the sooner the Rams lose, the higher that draft pick goes. And so I've been on the fence. Do I want to root for the Rams? Do I not? And it's been an internal struggle with me this whole entire postseason. Uh, but when I saw the score at halftime, I was at work on Sunday during this game. And it was like 21-3 to or something like that. I go, okay. I want the Rams to win this game because if Stafford does not throw a pick, if he completes every pass the rest of this game and the Rams lose, that goes on Stafford. Rightly or wrongly, people accuse Stafford, well, see, he told you he couldn't win the big game. And that almost happened. Uh, his running backs and receivers kept fumbling the ball. Like I said, they had four fumbles. And the Buccaneers charged back. Uh, but the Rams uh, got the ball last. Uh, Stafford made a really good throw to Cup uh, to put them in field goal range. And the Rams were able to win on a walk-off field goal. And then finally, the game of the weekend, uh, the Chiefs and the Bills. This game was exciting. Uh, the last quarter especially, the last five minutes especially, actually. I went back and forth, back and forth. Uh, the Bills took a lead with 13 seconds left in the game. Uh, and then the Chiefs marched down in a couple plays and got a field goal. Uh, descended to overtime. And the Chiefs won the coin toss and marched down the field and scored a touchdown. And the game's over. Which has caused a uh, discussion on the overtime rules in the NFL. And we're going to talk about that right now. So today, I was driving to work. And I had Fox Sports Radio on uh, because I like listening to sports talk radio. And David Carr, who is the older brother of Derek Carr, the quarterback of the, or the Las Vegas Raiders now, 
Uh, he was on the Dan Patrick show, and he said something that I'm going to repeat. Uh, he said, if you go to a baseball game, uh, he said the Dodgers specifically, and it's at Dodger Stadium, and it goes into extra innings, if the team the Dodgers are playing hits a home run, they don't just say, well, they hit a home run, Dodgers didn't stop them, let's go home. And that's a really solid argument. Like, why is it in basketball, it's not whoever wins the jump ball or scores the first basket wins the game. It's they play a whole five-minute quarter, and who's ever ahead at the end of that wins the game. In baseball, each team gets a chance to bat. Uh, and then if the home team scores first, then the game's over. But both teams got a chance. Hockey's sudden death, but normally teams don't win a face-off and then march down the ice and score a goal. Uh, so, But that's really the only sport that's sudden death besides the NFL. And the NFL's rules aren't necessarily sudden death, but they are. Uh, if the Chiefs would have kicked a field goal, the Bills would have gotten the ball, uh, and then they could have marched down, kicked a field goal, or gotten a touchdown one, and either tied or won the game. Uh, but what I think they should do is they should do a modified version of the college rules. Uh, so in college, you start the ball at the 35-yard line, and each team gets a possession uh, to score uh, anyway. And after a few overtimes, you're forced to go for two if you don't get it, or if you get a touchdown, excuse me. Uh, the only tweak I would have to that is you got to back the ball up to the 40, not the 40, excuse me, the 50 or the other side of the field to the 40 on the other side of the field. Uh, just because uh, kickers can kick a 52-yard field goal, which is what I would believe it would be if you start at the 35 uh, not every kicker is 100% from that distance, I get that. But if you start from the 50 or the opposite 40, uh, the kicker, you're not in field goal range to start the series. Uh, so that's why I'm thinking that. I don't think they'll ever do that scenario. I think they'll talk about tweaking the rule. I don't know if they will or won't. Uh, time will tell. But I do think they need to change it, uh, especially for the playoffs. And I know the the old school people are really like well just play better defense okay but the same argument in baseball here then well just get the guy out that's basically what you're saying here and i don't think that's right i don't think a coin toss should be deciding these games uh that's just my opinion on that uh you guys might have your own uh if you have a different opinion leave it in the comment section down below if you're on youtube uh if you're listening to the podcast uh email the show at hardballsportstalk at gmail.com to give me your um, ideas on how to fix this overtime, or if you like it the way it is. Uh, you know, there's no such thing as a wrong opinion on this. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Uh, we might not agree, but I respect everyone's opinions. Uh, so let's take a preview now of the championship series. Uh, the first game is the Chiefs hosting the Bengals at 3 o'clock. Um, the Bengals beat the Chiefs in Week 17 in Cincinnati uh, to clinch their playoff spot. Uh, I was able to catch the tail end of this game uh, and watch the Bengals get a game-winning field goal to win the game. Uh, Joel Burrow got a little banged up in that game. Again, uh, he gets hit a lot. Uh, Kansas City, I don't really have anything on that roster that says this is why this team should lose this game um, or... This is their biggest weakness. They're not a complete team or anything like that, but they're pretty darn close to a complete team. 
Uh, they're, my biggest concern with Cincinnati, though, like I said, is their offensive line. Uh, like I said, they gave up lat, nine sacks last week against Tennessee uh, and still found a way to win, but how many hits can Burrow take? Uh, the Chiefs, in the regular season, I looked up the numbers, they were 28th in the league in getting sacks. Uh, so they're not getting sacks at a high rate themselves, but Steve Spagnola, who's their defensive coordinator, uh, was the defensive coordinator uh, with the Giants when Michael Strahan and Justin Tucker were there. And I get that. Those guys are freaks. Or Justin Tucker, not Justin Tucker, excuse me. And I get that. Those guys are a different level. But he was able to create a defense to get pressure on quarterbacks. And I'm sure he's got his game plan figured out, or will, to get pressure on Burrow and make him uncomfortable in the pocket. Uh, so with all that being said, I think the Chiefs will win this game. I'm hoping for a competitive game, but I don't see that happening. Uh, but any given Sunday, I guess. And so we will see what happens, but I think the Chiefs will win the game. Uh, the second game, we got the Rams and the 49ers. Uh, this is the third time they have played this year. Uh, the 49ers are 2-0 against the Rams this year. Uh, first game, San Francisco won 31-10, uh, giving the Rams their third loss of the season at that time. And then in week 18, to clinch a sp- playoff spot, the 49ers won 27-24 in overtime. Uh, the 49ers are probably the Cinderella team, maybe Cincinnati too. Both of them are Cinderella teams at this point. Uh, I'm going to say San Francisco is a little bit more of a Cinderella because of quarterback play. Joel Burrow has played amazing quarterback. Jimmy G has not. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. And he's my biggest question mark when it comes to San Francisco. Uh, if they need a play made by their quarterback, he hasn't shown me yet this postseason that he can do that. Uh, so that's my biggest concern with the 49ers. But at the same time, that's also my biggest concern with the Rams. Uh, Stafford hasn't been here before. Uh, this is probably the biggest game he's played since his high school career uh, when he was playing for state championships in Texas. And yes, Texas high school football is a big deal, but it's not the NFL. Uh, so it's going to be a different beast for Stafford. Uh, he did just take down Tom Brady last round uh, in the Buccaneers, so maybe that's a good stepping stone for him here. Uh, but I don't know how he's going to react to the bright lights here. And time will tell, like that I said on the last game. But with all that being said, uh, like I said, the 49ers have beat the Rams two times already this year. And you hear it all the time. It's hard to beat a team three times in a season. So I looked up the numbers for this one. This is the 23rd meeting, as far as I could tell, in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl era that a team is facing a division rival that they swept in the playoffs or swept in the regular season, and that they're facing the playoffs. Uh, in those games, the team that has won the first two games are 14-8. and eight. The most two most recent ones are last year, the Buccaneers and the Saints. The Saints swept the Buccaneers in the regular season, and then obviously said Tampa won the Super Bowl. Uh, they beat the Saints in the playoffs. And then the other one was in 2018, uh, also with the Saints, oddly enough, uh, they swept the Panthers in the regular season, met them in the playoffs, and won a third time in the playoffs. So, history is actually on the 49ers side uh, with that stat. Oddly enough, even though you hear it all the time, it's hard to beat a team three times. I'm still taking the Rams, though. Uh, so, Super Bowl pick of Rams versus Chiefs, which was one of the 
best Monday Night Football games a couple of years ago. I understand rosters are a little bit different now, uh, especially with Jared Goff in Detroit and Matthew Stafford in L.A. now. Uh, but that'd be a really fun matchup. Uh, it's been a Super Bowl. A lot of people have been hoping for it for a couple of years now. Uh, another fun matchup that we could potentially see, though, is the 49ers and Bengals, uh, which would be a rematch of Super Bowl 16 and 23. Uh, so any matchup we get, though, going to be great storylines. Uh, we're going to have a good time with the Super Bowl, and it should be a good game no matter who's playing in it. Uh, so that's all I have for the football side of things today. Um, like I said, it should be a good weekend of football this weekend. Uh, but next and finally, uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame uh, voted in one member uh, to their hall uh, this week. Uh, David Ortiz uh, with 307 votes, which is 77.9% of the votes. You need 75% of the votes to get in. David Ortiz was the only one to get to that number. Uh, he was voted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, congratulations, David Ortiz. Well deserved. Uh, Big Poppy was one of my favorite players. Uh, not play, wearing the old English D. Uh, played the game like a kid. Had a good time out there. Loved laughing. Um, wasn't afraid to make fun of himself. Really big power hitter, timely hits. Uh, like I said, one of my favorite non-Tigers players uh, growing up. Uh, fun story about David Ortiz. Uh, in 2005, I was at Comerica Park where the Tigers play, and I actually caught a David Ortiz baseball on batting practice. So kind of cool now that I can say I caught a baseball hit by a Hall of Famer in batting practice. Uh, not many people can say that when I bet. Uh, so congratulations, David Ortiz. Uh, but that's not the big storyline here, unfortunately. Uh, the big story is Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens on their Kurt Schilling also and Sammy Sosa in their final year of the ballots. None of them made it into the Hall of Fame. Uh, there's a different committee that could vote them in in the future. Uh, we'll talk about that if it ever happens. Um, but I think baseball needs to let at least Bonds and Clemens in the Hall of Fame. And I know some of you purists in baseball are like, whoa, 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 Brandon, back the truck up. What did you just say? Yeah, I said Bonds and Clemens belong in the Hall of Fame. Um, and I know they use steroids, and I know that's why they're not in the Hall of Fame. But these two belong in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Roger Clemens has the best ERA ever in the history of Major League Baseball, which I understand that's not the end-all, be-all stat it used to be. And Barry Bonds is the home run king. Uh, and if you have two leaders at any category, they need to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, if you want to have a wing for the steroid era saying, hey, these guys probably juiced, I'm okay with that. But basically this is the same thing as tearing down statues of people who you didn't agree with. Erasing history is not going to fix any problems. Uh, it's going to make everything worse. Uh, so... And Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, two more famous steroid users. Without them, baseball doesn't survive the 90s. Uh, it's probably still here, don't get me wrong. Uh, but those two saved baseball, uh, as we know it. And we need that right now. Is we, What we need is somebody to come in and save baseball right now, too. Um, but baseball does not have a good look on itself right now. Uh, we'll talk about the lockout in a second. But... I mean, Barry Bonds, like, 
I'm going to link this video. It's been a while since I've seen it myself, so I'm not going to say any numbers. But I heard this video out there about if Barry Bonds never went to a bat with a bat uh, and what his numbers would look like. It's absolutely insane, guys. Uh, this guy had strike zone discipline, which that has nothing to do with steroids. Uh, he knew what pitches to swing at. He knew his hot zones. Uh, yes, the home runs, that's part of steroids. I'll, I'll give you guys that one. But, like, he still had to perform. Uh, steroids did help. But it was part of the game back then. For better or worse, it was part of the game. And we need to not necessarily embrace that, I guess. But we need to accept it. That that era, for better or worse, is tainted. But we needed that era to save baseball. Uh, and right now, baseball is in a really bad spot. Uh, they're in a lockout right now. And there's new reports now that the owners are willing to miss games uh, if they don't get their way with the players. And that's sad. Um, it's estimated that if they lose games, they could lose up to a third of the fan base uh, because people just are going to give up on baseball. Uh, there's going to be people like me and a couple other friends and family members I have that are hardcore baseball guys, that no matter what happens, we're going to go to a baseball game. But not everyone's like that. Uh, other people, a lot of people are going to give up on this sport. And they probably already have. Um, my solution is get Rob Manfred out of the commissioner office, get Tony Clark out of the union rep, and let's get some real guys in there who actually want to make baseball better. Uh, that actually the players rep needs to be a lawyer uh, the commissioner needs to be somebody that can be a middle ground for the players and the owners I know the commissioner works for the owners but they can't have this bad of relationship with the players union um, I'm sorry but no um, so that's all I have for you guys today though I hope you guys enjoyed it um, we'll be back next week for the YouTube and the podcast I will preview the Super Bowl, whoever may be in that, and we'll talk about other things that have happened in sports since then, or since we last talked. Uh, if you're interested, we do have a podcast come out on Friday. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to do for Friday's episode, and then we'll have the Red Wings on Monday, and then our draft series, which will cover the 2010 draft uh, next Wednesday. Uh, thank you guys so much for checking this out. Uh, any questions, comments, or concerns, leave them in the comment box down below here on YouTube, or send me an email at hardballsportstalk at gmail.com. Uh, be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Links for those are in the description. Thank you, guys, and I hope you have a great day.